to that. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Drink to That. As always, I'm Andrew and accompanied by my good friend, Steph. All right, you got questions and we've got answers. So we're going to do a special little segment today and it's going to be answering your guys's listener questions. Yeah, we finally got some in our inbox and we feel like we can start answering those, and this is going to be a special segment, and he's going out of town, and uh, or is out of town if you're listening to this by now, and uh, we're going to fill your brains up with some information until he gets back to keep you grasping for the next tasting. That's right. So, uh, shall we get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so our first listener question is cork versus screw cap. And what's the difference? Oh, that is a good question. I've always, so cork versus screw cap, even versus, I would like to know, I'm going to take this listener question further, cork versus screw cap versus that plastic synthetic. Okay. I want, I want to know more. All right. We're getting so, a little more inclusive here. Yeah, so here. listener, um, we're, we're keeping anonymous unless you say it's okay. So anonymous, uh, I'm going to further that question and I want to know the whole gamut. Let me know how the wine is kept together. All right, for sure. So uh, today's uh, wine market is is ever-changing, and a lot of people are concerned that cork is not necessarily Mm eco-friendly, and we have to cut down trees, and it's it's a whole thing. However, that's a myth. So cork, wait, so cork, wine cork is really from cork trees. Cork? That's in your bottle of wine comes from a cork tree. Always, when it's a cork like that. Yes. Cork wall, cork, anything cork, cork you're getting from a yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, cork board and uh, cork floors. You're killing the trees, everyone, putting your <laughs> notes up, drinking your wines. Um, so yeah, so it's actually, it's actually a big myth. So okay. what yeah. they're doing to extract the cork for... Uh, the wine closure versus the flooring versus the cork board is actually coming from the bark of the tree. And it's hand harvested. Oh, I don't feel bad at all. Yes. It actually, cork is actually a renewable resource. Do you hear that, everyone? Go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Rest easy. Drink your wine. Do not worry about... Post your... Postcard boards at work while you're drinking your wine at work. Whatever you like to do at work. All that good stuff. Support the cork industry. They support you. (laughs) That's right. They support me in many ways. Yeah, they do. That's awesome. I didn't know that was renewable. Yes. So where where do cork trees grow? The vast majority of them come from Portugal. Mm -hmm. And there are other cork forests uh, spread throughout the world. Small I'm just imagining a forest of corks, and I'm going to post pictures of what a cork tree looks like on our Facebook, Instagram, all that, because I want to know what it looks like, and to me, it's just a bunch of corks, and I'm sure it's not what it looks like at all. It's... It would be really interesting to see those. I've, I've seen a couple of, of photos, and hopefully one day I actually get to go Touch to, one. to a cork forest. Yeah, that would, be, cork. that would be amazing. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, that's that's what cork is. Okay. And uh, the reason that they've been using it for so many years is that it it holds up. It's um, buoyant. It has mm. a very solid structure. Yes. So 
it will maintain almost a 100% airtight seal. Oh. And, um, yeah, so oh. it's just been very useful and readily available. So where does that leave us with uh, the synthetic and the screw corks? Are they equal par? Do they make a difference when drinking the wine? Because usually when I see a screw top, I'm like, this is a cheap wine. But, I mean, I've, this is... I've obviously had wines that are like four bucks. I don't want to like you know spew that out, but and there's a, there's still a cork in there. So am I just being uh, stereotyping? Am I being prejudiced? Am I being an asshole? Let me know. <laughs> All right. Um, so let me take it uh, one chunk at a time. Synthetic corks. They were the response to a large amount of complaints that were coming from consumers. Bastards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we know what we know. Bastards. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a wine being corked. Mm-hmm, and I'm putting air quotes around corked. He's putting air quotes, people. <clears throat> I'm quoting him on that. So. <laughs> and um, that just means that the wine is somehow defective mm-hmm. due to the fact that the cork has mold. So, mold, as in mold, mold. Yeah, okay. Mold, M O L D. It's gross. Uh, it, cork is a living entity, and it is susceptible to mold and rot. Um, they have, they being the cork industry, they they have done a large amount of helping and renewing and putting more money into research and technologies to help the cork to stop being affected by any kind of mold. And um, it actually, it suffered. The, the cork industry suffered, and the answer was synthetic because it was plastic, and it would not be susceptible to mold or mildew or rot. And it would be 100% airtight, and that was the answer. Huh. And for a large portion of time in the... 80s and 90s, people said, you know what? This is the way to go. Cork has let us down. Let, you let us down, cork, you corky asshole. <laughs> you let us down. You let me down, bro. Hmm. So that was that was the wine industry's answer to the the defective cork. To the tree huggers. Yes, yes, to the tree That's huggers. What I'm gonna say. And for the second portion of your question, screw caps. Yeah, screw caps. A large body of people, a large population, has associated screw caps with cheap wine. Yeah. Why is that? Because obviously, this is coming from a layman here. Yes. And I'm a layman. (laughs) Um, To me, it means that you can't keep it long, and it's not meant to be kept long, which means cheap. I don't know. Riddle me this, Andrew. Yeah. Why do screw caps make me feel cheap and like I don't know what I'm doing? Fair enough. That was actually a really good explanation. Thank you. And a little bit more in depth is the screw cap, I guess, movement was led by Australia and New Zealand. That's going to be my new band name, the screw cap movement. The screw cap movement? That's the screw cap movement. And uh, I'm going to go screw. Let's see. What's my... It's going to just be screw... It's going to be SCP. SCP. Oh, wait. There's no... There's no... Wait. SCM. There you go. Screw cap movement. And uh, I don't know where the P came from. Whatever. I've already screw had a couple cap. glasses. Whatever. Whatever, guys. Don't judge. Don't judge me. <laughs> I had some screw cap wine. I, I'm living my life. There you go. There you go. 
<laughs> so the uh, yeah, the movement was led by Australia and New Zealand, and a large majority of big vendors. So they're equivalent to like Costco and Sam's Club, like really big box vendors where mm. they were pushing half a million to a million cases a year. Mm. They demanded Snap. that the wines that were sold in their stores be put under screw cap so that they didn't have to worry about temperature control, aging the wine, if it was going to be 100% oxygen free. There must be an expiration date on these that are a lot smaller than a, than a cork or even synthetic cork. Am I right or am I wrong? There have been studies that a screw cap can... Because how can a screw cap uh, be as safe or I would say keep thing as th- keep the wine as preserved as uh, the synthetic and the other like obviously there these big box wine or these big box uh, retailers are saying you know we don't want to deal with this put a screw cap how so the screw cap how is it preserving it better than uh, to me a cork or synthetic would keep those things more preserved than a screw cap and they, they'd have to worry more because screw cap what do you I don't understand what's keeping Wine safe with a screw cap. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, on the inside of the screw cap is mm-hmm. actually a plastic liner mm-hmm. that will seal off the the wine top in a better way than cork. It is and it synthetic? is in, it is absolutely impervious. No oxygen can ah. get in or out, and it will offer a one hundred percent seal versus cork. Breathing. It it does breathe a little bit, and it offers what's called micro-oxygenation. So over time, there's a very, very small portion of oxygen that seeps into the wine as it ages, Mm -hmm. and it actually helps to develop some flavors in the wine. So if you have an older wine and you're tasting more oak or smoke or leather or cedar those are what are called secondary and tertiary aromas Mm -hmm. and that's what happens after the wine has been aged for a long time along with micro oxygenation gotcha and that will not happen with the screw cap since it's 100 percent oxygen free gotcha well wouldn't you think that well, I guess like finer wines, they want that oxygenation. Yes. Okay, because then I'll be like, well, wouldn't you want to preserve that? And it would be the vice versa of what's happening now, where people are thinking these cheap wines, screw cap, whereas expensive wines, you would think they want to preserve that. Right. Well, there's again. So, so just the culture, the wine culture, the wine there, uh, lineage. So many, yeah, there's so many different things that play into that. So. A little bit more about why screw caps are viewed as cheap mm-hmm. is in order to make a screw cap, it's it's just a piece of aluminum and tin, mm-hmm. and each screw cap can cost maybe about 15 to 25 cents to make um, versus each cork yeah. averages 85 cents to $1.25, depending on where the cork is coming from. So it's just that the so price range. It's Yeah, it's cheaper to produce, and the winemaker is actually able to save some money. And so what they're going to do is they're going to cut their price so that they can save the consumer a little bit of money. And since a large portion of these wines, like I said, was led by Australia and New Zealand, what they wanted to do to get their foot in the market was they decided to sell their wines cheap 
so that they could be readily available to... Yellowtail. Yellowtail. I don't want to pull out. I don't want to show any pointy, pointy fingers. Yeah, it's true. But that's what they did in the 90s is they said, you know what? We're going to get into every household by making our wines and yellowtail, Yeah, and Yellowtail, I mean, I can't think of any other wine from Australia right, right away. Australia, I think Yellowtail. Right. So they obviously have an it's, apple. It's a, it's they a household know it's name a, now. Yeah. Good for so, you guys. So that's why. Killing it. Little wallaby. <laughs> yeah. You so know. that's why the, uh, the screw cap is kind of almost associated with being a cheap wine. But there's a little kind of a cult movement now in California. A cult as in they're going to have witches? They might have witches. I'm, gonna, I'm, who, I'm a witch. Who knows what they're brewing. But what they're doing. <laughs> Maybe some wine. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, here all week. Uh, it's uh, it's really crazy. Some of these really expensive wines coming out of California and Oregon are going under screw cap. And when I say expensive, I mean they're averaging one hundred and thirty dollars a bottle. And it's because they want to preserve, and it's cheaper, or it's they're they're saving, they're preserving the wine as is. They mm-hmm. don't want it to oxidize. They don't want it to change or turn. They want it to be the exact same way that they bottled it. It's the way of the future. So, yeah, it's actually really weird that these really expensive wines are, are now wine. going under screw cap. And they just want to make sure that they're keeping that wine flavor 100%. And the best way to do that is with screw cap. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think we've got a couple, well, a couple more questions. Um, so we learned that. What is the next question we've got from our listeners? Do you guys rock? Yeah, guys, we really appreciate it. Yeah, leave us reviews. I, we saw we got we got a couple reviews on iTunes. Keep them coming. We got some good reviews, but we want to hear anything. You know, let us know how we're doing well, how we're doing bad. We want to. We're we're here for you guys. Drink your wine. We want to. We want to make sure you're drinking the wine and you're drinking the best you can and you're enjoying it, even if it sucks. <laughs> you you. We want you to like taste that and be like, this is why I don't like it. This is why I do. And we're here to help you. Yeah. That's true. All right. All right. Here is our second listener question. Some wine labels say that blackberries, cherries, and plum are in the wine. Do they put any of those inside the wine? That's a good question. That is a good question, and that's uh, something that I hear a lot. And that's something that I definitely thought of when I first started drinking wine is how can essentially just grape juice – have all these different flavors like yeah. blackberry and cherry Are they and fermenting plum and, it together or right what's going on um, so the the answer is no they're not putting anything in the wine outside of grape juice I did not know this and um, the the way that they're able to extract these different flavors is through fermentation and the yeast will eat the sugar and create carbon dioxide mm-hmm. and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And along with making alcohol, they make these different compounds called esters. Ester. Ester. Oh, what is she I, doing I can here? make a lot of jokes. What is she doing here? Esther, right go now. Home. <laughs> All right, keep going, Esther. So uh, these esters, or also known as compounds, oh, uh, are in the wine. Mm-hmm. And there was a study shown that in any given wine, there can be up to 500 different chemical compounds that are very similar to that of 
fruits, vegetables, and other. Well, how scents. are they getting? Is it just the soil? How are they? Can someone grow grow some wine, grow some you know grapes, and know exactly what they're growing to get the flavor they want? Can someone be like, I want this kind of flavored wine because it's my favorite wine? They grow that. They grow that vine, let's say, and yeah. they know they're going to get a plum flavor, blah, 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 or is it just a crapshoot? And they'd be like, well, I tried this, I grew this vine, and they can kind of control a little bit, but is it just like a crapshoot just because the acidity, the area they're in, There's, you know, a lot of different factors? Is it just, you know, to the whim of the nature and how it takes place? Or is there any control that we can have and just... We control. We can only control so much, and then we just get a crapshoot. There's or is it a there's mix? there's a mix. Okay. So when winemakers are deciding to make a wine and they plant their vines, they know that certain grape varieties, whether it's Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, Syrah, they have inherent flavor compounds mm-hmm. that will come out in the wine. So. For Cabernet, you're most likely going to get black currant, blackberry, and you want those to show in the wine. But what something, another different aspect that you want is, let's say, a more earthy or oaky or some other kind of additive or compound you want to come out. That's where you pick your yeast. Okay. And yeast can be cultured and they can be you know, very selective and the people at UC Davis Mm -hmm. out in California, they make and store up to 200 different strains of yeast that will give you specific flavor compounds. Always, every time, without a doubt. Yes. Wow. So it's, it's kind of, you know, a, a mix and match of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. and you have to make sure you pick your right yeast, and you have to make sure that you're starting off with the wine grape to create those flavors. So it's a combination of of both of those, but uh, in general, it's it's just grape juice and yeast, and that's where you're getting all those different flavors. Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought, like, you know, like with beer and stuff, usually we'll... Cooks, cook down some of what you're making with, you know. Yes. Beer, if you're having like a cherry, you cook down that cherry within whatever. I'm not sure exactly the <laughs> the process, but usually you're using some part of that fruit. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're using some kind of A fruit, concentrate of that fruit, you know, as putting a part of it. Yeah, or a honey or something to add to make that flavors. But wine is just chemical fermentation and nature happening together. Yeah, that's it. That's wow. crazy. That's Isn't that fucking crazy? nuts. Yeah. So, I, okay. All right. That's crazy. Well, we got to like, I, I've got more questions I can go on and on and on. But I think we have one more listener questions for this segment. And uh, take it away, Andy. All right. So this listener question says, when I go out to dinner with my boyfriend, he always buys the cheapest bottle of wine on the menu. He says that there's really no taste difference between the more expensive bottles. Is that true? Am I this lady's boyfriend? Is that the question you're asking? (laughs) Oh, I always go for the cheapest bottle just because I'm also cheap and I'm also like, well, life is hard. So, (laughs) uh, and then I don't really know what I'm buying. 
which I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. Yes, you are. But uh, I'm still uncertain because there's a lot you can say Pinot Noir, but there's so many variations of, you know, everything that you can get a Pinot Noir and be like, I love Pinot Noir. And then you go to and you get a moderately priced Pinot Noir and you hate it, you know? That's true. So I usually always go cheap. Uh, So anyway, this question is cheap wine versus expensive wine. When it comes down to a nutshell, what's the difference, and is there a difference, and would anyone know? Um, that's, this is a very good question, and uh, there's a lot of different parts to it. Um, so let me say, um, you know, maybe your boyfriend is not very well experienced with wine, and he just kind of feels that, you know, any wine will do for for the evening. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a special occasion. He just wants a bottle of wine. The trick is your boyfriend needs to not tell you that he's getting the cheapest bottle of wine because they're all the same. Your boyfriend just be like, I like this wine even though it's cheap. It's fine. You never tell the person you're going out with. <laughs> the real question is, what the fuck is your boyfriend doing? That's what I want to ask. That's what you, you want to ask. You keep that shit to yourself and you'll be like, this is a really good wine. Look at this awesome price. It's so good. Don't be like, I'm a cheap bastard. I'm going to get the cheapest wine. No one can tell. What if your girlfriend has got a fine palate? That's true. No. That's true. But I'm going to I'm gonna have to stick up for the guys on this <gasps> one. I'm going to have to stick up for the guys. All right. All right, Annie. Stick up uh, for the guys. You know, uh, so like I said, this, this question is kind of multi-layered in that uh, I have seen a bottle of wine in any shop. And it'll cost you eight or nine dollars. Yes. Why is it that you see that same bottle of wine? Triple price, double price, double or triple the price? Cause you're in a fancy place and people are the, there's a nice waiter saying, "Here you go." Possibly, <laughs> yeah. But if you can say, "I know this bottle at the store is eight or nine dollars, and I like it, and it's good," they're not going to price match you, Andy. This ain't Best I, Buy. I know they're not. <laughs> So then why not buy a cheap bottle of wine if you know that it's Yeah, well why break the bank if you know that it's already a good I quality the, bottle? I know that's but, what I'm saying. I know, but I think the question is this guy is always going for a cheap ass bottle. Whether like wh- like I just went to Trader Joe's and there was some three ninety nine shit and I'm just yeah. like, you know, okay, I'm judging it that I'm gonna get a hangover from that. Possibly. But and I, I know if I were to get that at a restaurant, they're going to up the price. Even though that's the cheapest one they have there, it's probably right. shitty. Well, not necessarily because think about it this way. If they put a shitty wine on their menu and you order it and you don't like it. Poo-poo on that. What's the likelihood that you're going to go back and go back to that restaurant? That's true. They, that's true. they only want to put good wine on the menu. Yeah. And if they can get away with making a buck or two because – well, they're I, making a little bit more than a right, but see, that's the thing is like I know a, a well the a, thing I know a fair amount of people in in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you that they're not making a lot of money on the food. What they do make money on is cocktails, wow. yeah. and wine and beer. Yeah. So yeah, that bottle of wine that you see in the wine shop for seven eight bucks is going to cost you ten twelve fifteen bucks. Because they need to make money. They need to cover their costs and yeah. they need to pay and people I, a living wage. I guess what you can think about as well as, so if you're getting a bowl of pasta, let's say you're going to a fine restaurant, how much does it cost to make pasta? It's like one of the cheapest 
meals you can make for you and your family. When at, you're at a restaurant, you're paying twelve to fifteen dollars for a good pasta, which right. at home you can make it for under five dollars. Right. You make it at home. You don't get that bullshit jar shit. Get some awesome paste. Get some tomato paste. Make your own pasta, people. Under ten dollars. Yeah. You can be making a dinner for four people. Right. But at a, I guess you have to think of it the same way. I think we take uh, wine, and it is a commodity. Yeah. And I think we're always like, oh, it's, you know, we don't need it. But don't we really? See, that's the, see, that's where I'm on this guy's side is mm-hmm. maybe he just wants a glass of wine. Maybe yeah. he just he, – it's not a special occasion. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be dropping 40, 50 bucks on a bottle of wine. He just wants a glass of wine with dinner. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I grab – a bottle of wine just to have a glass of wine with I dinner. I for the cheapest. Yeah, it's going to be like five or six bucks. Because it is, yeah. So uh, why not let this guy... And maybe he's not saying, hey, hun, we don't got money, so we're going to we're gonna be on the cheap this week. Maybe he just says, you know, this is this is just but okay. His this is question, good enough. For, like, I want to get back to his question. Just play devil's advocate. He's saying that he always picks saying that it yeah. doesn't matter, that it doesn't matter. No one can tell the difference. Yeah. No, I think he's saying that anyone with a refined palate can't tell the difference, but I think people can, if they're drinking wine for long enough, like I feel like now I can tell, like I earlier had some cheap wine and I knew, and I did not like it, but I drank it because yeah. I do what I do. Yeah. I live my life. Um, and I did not enjoy it, but, uh, and I would have been pretty angry if I had paid for that. Okay. And I got it. I got it with it was a event for work that it was wine web. It's called so. But then of course I wasn't expecting like the best. But it was like just a sweet cheap wine, and I was really like, "This is this is the worst." If I paid for that, I'd be pretty angry. Um, and I think what is that? Like he always goes with it. Just and but the thing is, he's saying that it's you can't ever tell. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, that's true. That's like a yeah. different aspect of the question. It's right. Like, so that's that's something that I have to look into. He always buys the cheap bottle of wine. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go on his side again, saying. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I mean, it would be nice to splurge every once in a while and get a nice bottle of wine for an occasion, but you know, like let's say, you know, our our saying here is drink what you like. Yeah. And if you like a $4 bottle of wine but I'm, and I'm, that's all you drink. I'm going to say that he's going in and just looking at the menu and no matter what it is, he's looking at the, the bottom price and be like, yeah. get me that. Because it doesn't matter what, they're all going to taste the same. Which I don't think is true. I think there's yes, shitty right. wines that are really expensive. There's shitty wines that are low price. Right. What can someone... I guess what can someone go into a restaurant and be like... I want a good wine. It doesn't need to be the cheapest. How do they never miss? Is there a way to never miss? Or is it just impossible? No, not necessarily. Um, if you have enough guts and you believe in the restaurant. And you got the gumption. And you got the gumption. What I would do is I would ask for help. Yeah. I would ask for help. Ask the waiter. Ask the bartender. Don't so, feel intimidated. No, not at all. They're, they are there to help you have a good dining experience and you know what if you order a bottle of wine that they really like they might be back they might buy another bottle of wine yeah and that's true you're adding to the you're adding to the total which they have to then tip yeah so which i would like to i oh i think i've talked about this place a a bunch of times by now 
So I go to Francesca Fiore's about if, if not about every week. We I try every week, every other week. Me and my best friend we go and we go on when they have half bottle off a half off bottle of wine. Right. So we're already going and we're getting a discount. But we don't always go the cheapest. I'll look and but there was one time I was just like, you know, I don't know. I I knew I wanted something between the ranges of my price range. Okay. So that's what I gave the 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 waiter. I was like, you know, I don't want more than this. And mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like so the I think the cheapest wine there is like twenty six, twenty five dollars and it's half off. Okay. And the my price was between twenty five and thirty two. Okay. I think I, I think that's what I gave him. Like maybe thirty six. I gave him like a ten ten dollar price range. Okay. And I was like, you know, and this is what I want. I want something not super sweet, a little dry. Um, that would go, and I think we're gonna get pastas and things like that. What do you think would go good? And he gave us a an amazing wine, and I couldn't couldn't be happier. And every time I go there now, it's usually what I get, and it's not the cheapest. Right. It's the mid-grade. It's probably like $32 a bottle, but we go on Thursdays to get the half bottle off. Right. So it turns out to be, what, 16-something, yeah. splitting between me and my best friend. And every time it, – it, it's a wine that I love. And I'm sure you can get so much cheaper at a Binnie's or something, but just right. being there, Which having it there. going for the experience. Yeah. Me and my best friend are having this time together. We have our, our – you know, we – we have our selected time. We're doing this. This is what we're doing, drinking spa wine. We're having a great meal. Time to catch up. And it's it's priceless. Yes. It's priceless. So that I like rather than just always just go, what's the cheapest? Right. That's true. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he's not the most experienced drinker. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why he feels, it's you awesome. know, I, I can't taste the difference between this $10 bottle of wine versus this $40 bottle of wine. You know, I don't want to be spending my money on something that I'm not going to like. Mm-hmm. And that's why he probably goes for the cheaper end, which mm-hmm. I totally get. But I would definitely ask for help. Say, you know what? I'm used to drinking this mainly because it's cheap. Do you have, have a like, better Do you yeah. have a better option? Do you have a better something selection? Something that won't give me a hangover in the morning. Something just that like won't give me a hangover. Tannins and chemicals that are like giving me a shitty head- headache for no reason in the morning. So. Right. So I think that's a surefire way to not miss is... You give your waiter or your bartender or your sommelier a, a couple of clues and tips mm-hmm. on what you like to drink, and they're going to do their best to steer you in the right direction. And, uh, you know, a lot of places are more than happy to give you a taste, a sample mm-hmm. of something. And if you don't like it, just say, no, not for me. Let's try something else. Not today, gypsies. <laughs> not today. So I think that's that's a way is know what you like and be able to communicate that to someone at the restaurant and they will be there to help you i think that's fantastic andy and i think we had a great uh couple of questions and we can only hope for more and you know what i'd say to that i'd say let's drink to that let's drink to that until next time andy all right